This morning, we are stepping away from our series through the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel, Lessons from the Kingdom for today. And we, of course, are starting our two-part Christmas series this morning. So be sure to come back next week to get the second half. But we're looking this morning at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Our message is titled, Mary, What Did You Know? And if you grab the outline on your way in, it's at the connection table or the table in the fellowship hall. You can follow along with us. But um, we're going to explore today a little bit the, the first part of Luke's account of the nativity, the, the birth of Christ, and some of those events that led up to it. This week and next, we're actually going to start our time with a Christmas carol. We're not going to sing together, don't worry. It's not a cappella, but we're, we're going to get ourselves into the mood, you might say, by letting that be an introduction. Most of us are familiar with that Christmas carol, Mary Did You Know? And it's actually a newer one. I was surprised. I didn't realize it. It was written relatively recently by Mark Lowry. He's a, um, well, he, he was a Christian musician turned comedian, uh, Christian comedian also, and he originally wrote it, it was kind of an inspiration from a Christmas program that he was involved in at his church, but it has found itself alongside of many of the classics that we hear on the radio and sing uh, still to this day. It was written back in 1984, long, long time ago. <laughs> Well, we're not getting overly analytical about this song's lyrics, as I think his intent was to be more reflective, not actually seeking to deeply assess what did Mary know or did not know about her baby. Um, it's more of a statement on the, the powerful uh, contrast between this vulnerable infant savior and the radical life that he would live in fulfillment of scripture. It's meant to be thought-provoking, um, inspiring. I take it that way. The lyrics, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? That child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations. Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Mm. How much did Mary know? Well, of course, she didn't know all the details about his life and ministry that were going to take place, but she did understand that he was the Messiah of Israel, and today's text will show us that. But actually, our purpose is going to be to seek to understand, reminded of what we can know and how that knowledge can and should change us this Christmas season. The, the message of the manger is transformative. And the question is, have you been transformed? 
And are you being transformed, healed, made whole by this baby born in Bethlehem so many centuries ago? The challenge, I think, that each of us face with, with passages like this one uh, and those that, that are so familiar, maybe overly so, is to approach them with fresh eyes, uh, hearts, and minds. And so I want us to pause for a moment, for a minute here, and ask God to do that for us, to create in us a, a fresh sensitivity, a sense of wonder and awe about these precious words that we find ourselves reading today, that you and I might be transformed afresh this morning, that we might more fully know all that God would have for us in this Christmas story. So let's pray. Father, as we open your word this morning, God, as we sit and receive, Lord, the, the teaching of your scriptures, we pray that, Father, you would give us ears to hear, that you would cause our hearts to be sensitive to the word that you would speak. God, to the, the fresh thing that you would want to do in us not just today, but this Christmas season, and not just here at the end of this year, Lord, but that this would be something that we would carry with us forward into the new year. God, we want to be a people alive and awake, Lord, to your heart for us, to the things you want to say to us and do through us. So we pray that here in this place this morning, you would open our eyes and hearts in that way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, Luke's gospel account, it opens up introducing us to the, uh, first to John the Baptist's parents, Elizabeth and Zacharias, who, like Mary, were not at all expecting pregnancy in this time in their lives. Though they'd prayed for a child, they were both very old and were frankly shocked that it was actually going to happen. In fact, when the angel Gabriel uh, appeared to Zacharias who was a priest and was serving in the temple at that time, he questioned him, doubting the message, to which the angel responded in Luke 1, verse 19, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to you and bring you these glad tidings. Imagine being rebuked like that by an angel. You, you say, I don't, I'm not sure I believe this. He's like, I just came from God's presence to bring you this good news, all right? And you're not getting it, Zacharias. And by the way, now I've been given a little leeway here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smite you. No, something along those lines. He says, but behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And once Elizabeth, his wife, did give birth nine months later to John the Baptist, his speech was then finally restored. I love that, that story. You can read on, uh, about that yourself. But before that happened, something else takes place in the interim. When she was six months pregnant, Elizabeth, the angel Gabriel, again visited the Holy Land. This time with a message for her relative, some of your translations will read, it's her cousin, and that, of course, would be Mary. And that brings us to our first section of verses, as well as our first point this morning, which is rejoice. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, again, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Zacharias and Elizabeth, now they lived in the south, in the, the hill country of Judah. Mary and Joseph, though, were both from the north near Galilee in this city called Nazareth, which is about 20 miles west of, of the Sea of Galilee, or Kinneret, as it's called today. Nazareth was a, a simple, small town, somewhat obscure, except for its being a little bit notorious. Remember when Jesus had called Philip as a disciple, and then Philip went very quickly, and he found his friend, Nathaniel. And what did Nathaniel have to say upon learning that this supposed Messiah was Jesus, who happened to be from a town called Nazareth? In John 1, we read that he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I, I you know, <laughs> I can say this because we're in Orange County, but it might be like today, can anything good come out of San Bernardino? I mean, it's like you kind of go that route. Anybody from the IE watching, apologies. I was born at St. Bernadine's Hospital. I'm, I'm just kidding. But this was the home of Jesus' parents and where he would grow up. And actually, if you were in San Bernardino, you would say, could anything good come from Muscoy? That, that's like, if you're talking San Bernardino, that was kind of the backside of Rialto where I grew up. But anyway, I said Rialto instead of Rialto for the sake of those that take issue with me. Anyhow, our purpose is not to get into the Inland Empire this morning. I'm sorry. Mary, the name Mary was fairly common. We see multiple women in the gospel with that name. And in Hebrew, Mary, which is actually the Greek, in Hebrew, it's Miriam. And it references Moses' sister. It means exalted one. Mary was a virgin, though she was betrothed. In ancient Israel, betrothal, it was similar to our engagement but far more binding. So much so that betrothal could only be annulled through a formal divorce. It was essentially as strong a commitment as marriage itself, though the couple would not live together or consummate the marriage until after the wedding ceremony. The betrothal was that period, typically one year long, during which the, the, uh, the two would prepare their, their house, the bride and the groom. They would get ready for their life together in marriage. The prophet Isaiah had foretold that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Joseph and Mary had not been together. Joseph's wanting to divorce her upon learning that she was pregnant. As Matthew's account records, it underscores the truth of this. In Matthew 1 verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Kind of reveals Joseph's character. 
and the, the quandary, the difficulty he had in believing what she told him that we'll read momentarily that the angel Gabriel said was happening. He loved her so much he couldn't subject her to public disgrace, humility, and maybe even worse. And so he determined, well, I cannot marry her, but I, I, I love her too much to divorce her in a way where everyone would know. And so he determined he would find a way to do it secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to your wife. Take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel told Joseph, I know it's difficult for you to believe and comprehend and understand, but Mary is telling you the truth. And so to this young woman, and most agree Mary would have been in her, her teens, um, young people then married much earlier. The society was structured differently. There wasn't college to go to and, and different things that we uh, value and are uh, frankly important and, and critical to preparing for later stages of life. The, the direction, the purpose was to find your spouse, marry and have children. And so they would do that and begin as soon as it was appropriate to do so, as soon as they were old enough. Well, to Mary, the, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel came with a very special message. Verse 28, and having come in, the angel said to her, just think for a minute. You're sitting here minding your own business. Maybe you're daydreaming about your coming marriage, how much you love your spouse. And, and just out of nowhere comes an angel. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Before anything else, he tells her, rejoice, and announces that she is highly favored and she is blessed among women. Now, while some faith traditions make what we would believe to be a mistake in overemphasizing Mary, attributing to her a status that is beyond what the Bible teaches. At the same time, I think the Protestant church can be guilty of overcompensating and as a result, undervaluing her importance. After all, the angel Gabriel says directly to her, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And so she is, the very one chosen by God himself to bear the Messiah, to carry the Son of God in her womb, Jesus Christ, fully man and fully God, sinless, holy, and perfect, the Savior sent to redeem mankind. She was a very special woman. In reading the Magnificat, which I encourage you to do this afternoon or, or this week at some point devotionally, that is her song of praise following this encounter with the angel and in response to the revelation that all of this was true, that she herself was going to give birth to the Messiah of Israel. She, she exalts in praise to God. And when you read that, you see a glimmer and a glimpse of why it was that God had chosen this young woman and how he had prepared her, her tremendous faith and understanding of God. It's remarkable. 
And so she, the Virgin Mary, was called on here to rejoice, to praise God and worship him for the great honor that was being bestowed on her, which will be explained in greater detail in a moment. That, again, is that the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, would be carried and born by her, apart from Joseph. She would conceive miraculously by the Holy Spirit. Mary was called on here to pause for a moment, to worship in awe of, of what was about to happen. So too, you and I. I know Christmas is, is a mixed bag for a lot of people. Some of you are looking forward to it, and frankly, some of you are not. It's a season that's steeped in all kinds of tradition, some that draws us toward the Lord, and some not quite so much. It's, it's a time of memories, and sometimes, frankly, uh, uh, some good and some not so good. It's a time of blessings, distraction, busyness. It can be great, but it can also be a difficult day. Mary was called to rejoice in the face of the greatest gift ever to be given or, or bestowed on humanity, and yet it would cost her greatly. Later, when Jesus would be presented formally at the temple, Joseph and Mary encountered an old man who was eagerly waiting for the Messiah, and we read there his words in Luke 2, verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, the child, this child, is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. She was called, you might say, to rejoice in the midst of what was to become, what was about to become a very difficult chapter in her life. A pregnancy that no one would understand, respect, or accept that, that in all likelihood, in fact, there's indication in the Gospels when there were times when Jesus was, was mocked when referring to God as his father and the religious leaders would challenge him that they know who their father is, implying that his mother didn't. She would bear that stigma, not to mention the pain that she would face at his crucifixion. That the hearts of many, the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. She was called to rejoice in the midst of this pain that was coming, a, a pregnancy that no one would understand again. She'd be shunned, looked down on, and ultimately the child, this child, would give his life in humiliation and unspeakable pain during a brutal death. She was called to rejoice, to see in his life deliverance and salvation. We call this the, the Advent season. It speaks of Christ's coming. And some of you have Advent calendars, maybe the silly ones that have, you know, Santa on them. You get a little chocolate or something like that from Trader Joe's or wherever. I don't know. Uh, maybe you're reading an Advent devotional. Those are great. There's lots of really good resources that take you through all the way to Christmas Day to help prepare your heart. I think it's a wonderful way to prepare him room. 
to make yourself ready to rejoice and enter into a spirit of praise and worship for all that the birth of Christ represents. I think in a lot of ways it can help to protect us against some of the more difficult aspects that can be in and around this holiday, whether it is disappointment or frustration with family or depression or, or heartache and missing someone that's not here anymore, to turn our focus away from all of that and, or perhaps alongside of looking unto Jesus. We're called to do that. Christmas, it represents a unique opportunity to do that in the midst of a culture that still pauses, and albeit with a lot of distraction, and, and they still consider Christ, in many ways, in the manger. And, and there is still time, if you've not done it yet, if you're thinking, oh, I didn't read a, a Christmas devotional. You still can. There's, there's another week ahead of us. Read Matthew chapters 1 and 2, Luke chapters 1 and 2, and I would also include John chapter 1. Mark just dives right in to the later parts of Jesus's, well, his early adult ministry. But to do that, to read, to reflect on the manger and rejoice, to rejoice in the face of sadness, in the face of disappointment, pain and struggle this Christmas season. Choose to focus on Christ. Psalm 46 is a wonderful passage to meditate on. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Jesus invites us in Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me, all you who will labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you find yourself approaching or in the midst of Christmas, whether it's in the lead up to, the day of, the day after, thinking, man, my heart's just out of joint with where I'm supposed to be, I just want to challenge you that maybe it isn't. Think about what Mary was being called to bear up under. Imagine her own betrothed husband did not believe her initially. And once again, as I said, the stigma of what was taking place here, a virgin birth, would never leave her. And, and, and then to see all the controversy caused by her son's life, the hatred for him, and eventually to lose him. Now, of course, that would, that would give way to joy unspeakable, right? But please understand, I mean, certainly she would in, enjoy the, 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 the blessing and the joy that you have with a newborn on that first Christmas night. But again, she would be wrestling with tremendous struggle, but she was called to rejoice. And you and I are called in the midst of that place to rejoice. There's, there's freedom in that. There's, there's blessing Come to him and rest in his promises and his provision and his goodness that you might rejoice in his presence. Now, let's continue on to verses 29 through 33. And we come to our second point this morning, which is chosen. Verse 29, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and, and considered what manner of greeting this was. 
Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary has been called on to rejoice, and I, I guess we'll excuse her if she's actually terrified at this moment, all right? Uh, so often this is the case when angels make an appearance in Scripture. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Don't worry. You're not in trouble. This, this isn't a bad thing. It's actually really good. God is showing you special favor, favor. Now, Gabriel, along with Michael, the archangel, are one of only two angels that are named in the scriptures. And he actually appears in the Old Testament book of Daniel. The, the book of Hebrews has a lot to say about these beings created by God. The author in chapter 1, verse 14 writes, Are they not all, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. They are angelic servants of God, and one of their purposes is to minister to and for God's people. In fact, the author goes on later in the book, in chapter 13, verse 2, to write, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels or angels unawares. Though Mary's encounter was explicit, the Bible teaches that at times we will have interactions with angels and not even know it. One of the psalmists writes in Psalm 91 verse 11, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Angels were and are amazing, somewhat mysterious, and yet also terrible beings in, in the sense of awe-inspiring and you would be afraid, too, if one showed up in front of you the way Gabriel just has for Mary. But he encourages her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So to get back to our question in the beginning of our message this morning, what did Mary know? And really, the implication is, what, what do we know in contrast? But the angel told her a lot here. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This glorious proclamation, it spoke not only to Jesus' first advent, his first coming, but his second as well. When much of this will be fulfilled in its entirety, events that are still yet future. Jesus was, again, Greek, the language in which the New Testament was largely written. And it would have been in Hebrew, Joshua, a contraction of the words Jehovah Shua, meaning God is salvation. The name, like Mary's, was actually common, but again, profound, and the only fitting name for the Savior, the Son of God. To this child, the Son of the, the highest, the throne of his father David would be given. 
God had told David that that king that we've been spending so much time getting to know, he told him that though he wanted to build a, a temple, a house for God, you remember that back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where well, we read in verse 11, also the Lord tells you, the prophet told David, God's going to make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed, that is your descendants after you, who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. Israel knew the Messiah would be a son of David though God had also made it clear that he would be much more than that, that his kingdom would last forever, that he would be God's own son. And so here to Mary, the angel Gabriel declares that her child, the son she will bear, will in fact be given that very throne and that over it he will reign forever and ever Mary found favor with God. She was chosen. She didn't have to be afraid, not of this angel, not of God's plan. None of this was accidental. She was finding herself in the midst, in the center of God's perfect path for her life. When you are a child of God, joy and security in him are yours. His promises and blessings are yours. And we need to exercise the discipline of recognizing and remembering and living within that reality, aligning our hearts and minds with the truth that, that we belong to him, that we've been purchased out of our sin by the blood of Jesus, by his work on the cross. And as such, we don't have to angst about whether or not we're lost somehow in this great cosmic uh, uh, life that is surrounding us and at times seems to be out of control, but instead we can rest knowing I am, I am secure in God's hands. I've been chosen by him just as Mary was. Paul writes this, uh, of this truth in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Mary was chosen for this, and she could rest in that. No doubt the natural reaction and response, and some of it we read here, is, Lord, I am not worthy for this. How in the world am I going to live out this calling that you have on my life, this task? And sometimes we feel overwhelmed. Sometimes we feel unworthy. God, how? What we can do is we can trust him for his plan. We can move forward to Ephesians chapter 2 that tells us that we've been called to good works that he has what? Prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
It's the second half of this coin of God's having chosen us, but then yet we walk in it by faith. We, we find ourselves putting one foot in front of the other and looking back over our shoulder and recognizing I'm in the midst of God's purpose and plan for my life as I seek to please him and trust him one day at a time. You and I have found favor with God because he sent his son into the world to save us from our sin. We belong to him. He has chosen us, and we need to rest in that truth. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30 are a great set of verses to rest in. If you find yourself struggling with this, feeling like, well, I don't know, am I still saved? And is God, does he have his hand on my life? And I sinned the other day, and I've messed up, and I struggle, and what does God think of me? Well, verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So you and I have not only found favor with God, but we have been chosen and our salvation is secure in the work that Christ has done on our behalf. Our debt is paid. We belong to him. And nothing can ever change that. And that, that is great news. Now, finally, amen. We'll look at verses 34 through 38 in this morning's last point, which is trust. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? We still have that minor detail to wrestle through here, right? In her heart and mind. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And there, therefore, also the Holy One who is in you will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that, angel, that the Gabriel's uh, announcement was met with some skepticism by Mary. Um, doubts and, frankly, shock and, and, and flat out uh, an inability to comprehend. Like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. But I, I, there's not going to be any man involved at all. How can this be? Um, <laughs> Mary knew that this was impossible and, and was trying to wrap her, her head and her heart around what this obviously credible messenger was telling her. Did, did I hear right? How is this possible? You ever had that before where the Lord, he <laughs> makes something clear to you and, and you... You wrestle with it like, God, how, how's, I, f I feel like my, this is bearing witness in my spirit. Your word is saying this, but how? So much more so this. We should note this is, though, not a question of unbelief. It's, it's different from Zacharias, John the Baptist's father. John the Baptist, his, his dad got a little, a little bit of a, a spank in the Lord, you might say. He was made mute for the remainder of Elizabeth's pregnancy that he might 
come under the Lord and, and be submitted to him and believe him. This isn't so much for Mary unbelief, but wonderment, genuine curiosity, but faith-filled as we see in her response. Verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Mary, this is going to be entirely miraculous. The angel essentially tells her that that child that will be in you will be conceived of the Holy Spirit. God himself will make it so. And by the way, he's doing a lot of that right now. He tells Mary that Elizabeth, her cousin, uh, who, the old one, you know, Mary's like, wait, what, Elizabeth? She and Zacharias, are you sure? <laughs> Says she's pregnant too. And understand, that this isn't some uh, weird thing where something carnal took place. Um, that's not what's being described. This was a miracle where Mary was able to become pregnant apart from a man um, God was not lacking in resources, just as he made man in Genesis. He created uh, uh, life in Mary's womb. And I don't claim to fully understand that, but we'll add that to the list of things that I don't understand <laughs> about God, but are stated as being true in Scripture the idea in verse 35 that the Holy Spirit would overshadow Mary, it actually speaks to, uh, to that uh, presence of God being manifest, his glory in the Old Testament. And, and what's meant by all of this is that apart from anything sexual whatsoever, Mary would be made pregnant and that child within her would be no ordinary baby. He, he would be the Holy One of Israel. He would be Mary's son, yet at the same time, the son of God. And this was not insignificant. That This title was equal to deity. We find in John's gospel, when Jesus calls God his father, in John 5, verse 18, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Why? Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. The, the Jewish people knew exactly what this meant, and Mary understood what this meant. At least she understood what the angel was telling her. The prophet Isaiah had spoken of this very thing in chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, had Jesus been born of Joseph, then he would have been fully human and sinful. Instead, he was born of God, but also of Mary. And as such, he is not only sinless and holy, but he also understands our condition. Hebrews 4 verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. 
For we do not have a high priest. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. This was a lot for Mary to take in, which is why we we read her questioning in these verses. But the angel's response, verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Simply trust God. Mary believed the promises of God. He is able. Her response of faith is beautifully simple. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The perfect answer. And God's looking for that from you and I as well. And maybe that would be a verse that we would carry with us. That's something to be spoken from our hearts, maybe from our own lips, as we walk through things that we do not understand, things that maybe we're having a difficult time accepting, trusting God for. Understand, the the original application is for Mary and, and in the context of the birth of our Savior. But this truth, nothing is impossible for God. With God, all things are possible. It is throughout scripture. We're trust, we're, we're called to trust in God to do things that we can't understand, to trust him in places in life that are too difficult for us to navigate on our own. And our response should be that of Mary's, which essentially is, is what? Not my will, but yours be done. Here am I, send me. Let it be to me according to your word. Would that God would give you and I the faith in our lives, in our trusting and following of him to to speak over, in a sense, the things that we're having a hard time trusting him for. Let it be to me according to your word, God. I'm going to trust in your word over what I feel, over what I see, over what I'm having a hard time believing and trusting you for. He's calling you and I this Christmas, this day, to lay our fears at his feet, our insecurities, worries, and needs, and trust him. Remember that with God, nothing will be impossible. The gospel writer's record of Christ's birth invites you and I to trust God more deeply. Look at how... Mary and Joseph had to trust how Elizabeth and Zacharias were called to do the same. God calls you and I away from the comfortable and the comprehensible or comprehensible to walk in faith, to rest in his word and his promises. I I find Psalm 61 a great place to meditate and rest, and that's, that's a good one to write down as a passage to meditate on this week. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher and I, I love the old song from several decades back that comes from that psalm. Pastor Frankie, maybe you and the team can come and close us with the last song. And as you make your way up, a final reflection on what did Mary know? A lot. She knew a lot. And, and it, as time went on, she would know more and more. I want to close 
finish this morning's message up with a selection from Max Lucado's book, God Came Near. Remembering Mary and pondering what this must have been like for her, this, this young woman, this model of faith and trusting God, this woman more blessed than all women, what it was like for her, how great her faith must have been. And I think it challenges and stirs you and I in our own walk of faith. Lucado, he offers 25 questions for Mary, questions that maybe he would ask Mary if he had the opportunity. What was it like watching him pray? How did he respond when he saw other kids giggling during the service at the synagogue? When he saw a rainbow, did he ever mention a flood? Did you ever feel awkward teaching him how, or excuse me, did you ever feel, I, I felt awkward reading it, so I thought I was reading it wrong. Did you ever feel awkward teaching him how he created the world? When he saw a lamb being led to the slaughter, did he act differently? Did you ever see him with a distant look on his face as if he were listening to someone you couldn't hear? How did he act at funerals? Did the thought ever occur to you that the God to whom you were praying was asleep under your own roof? Did you ever try to count the stars with him and succeed? Did he ever come home with a black eye? <laughs> How did he act when he got his first haircut? Did he have any friends by the name of Judas? Did he do well in school? Did you ever scold him? Did he ever have to question or have a question about Scripture? Did he ever have a question about Scripture? Excuse me. What do you think he thought when he saw a prostitute offering to the highest bidder the body that he made? Did you ever get angry when someone was dishonest with him? Did you ever catch him pensively looking at the flesh on his own arm while holding a clod of dirt? Did he ever wake up afraid? Who was his best friend? When someone referred to Satan, how did he act? Did you ever accidentally call him father? What did he and his cousin John talk about as kids? Did his brothers and sisters understand what was happening? Did you ever think, that's God eating my soup? <laughs> Considering Mary's story, her faith and trust in God, it's a powerful encouragement to you and I in our walk of faith this Christmas. We know far more than Mary did. Of course, we have the, the whole story, the whole counsel of God. And as such, we're better equipped to rejoice knowing that we are chosen, that we might trust him more deeply. And so my encouragement is that we would do that today and in this Christmas season. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. And as we've taken this time to look again at the nativity, the first part, a little bit through the eyes of Mary, God, to consider what she knew, what we know, and maybe the similarities in some ways between her own experience and ours in seeking to trust you or to rejoice in difficulty 
God, to rest in our having been chosen by you. I, I pray, God, that this, this Christmas season, Lord, that the reality of your coming would strike us in a fresh and powerful way. Lord, that the, the truth of what we find in your word, God, that it would liberate us, God, from, from fear, Lord, from the tyranny of our circumstances into a place of greater faith, Lord, that, that we would with joy and trust, knowing we belong to you, God, that we would walk through this season reflecting your glory and your love. Lord, the, the truth of the gospel, those glad tidings, God, that we would reflect those to the ones that we encounter God, I pray for, for those that are here with us that maybe are walking through an especially deep valley. God, those that are wrestling with fear, with anxiety, with, with pain. God, that you would minister to them. Lord, whether it's a loneliness, whether it's loss, a struggle of faith. Lord, some disappointment. Jesus, would you enter into that place in our lives? Would you help us to have the faith to prepare you room and welcome you in? That in our weakness there, your power would be made perfect in a fresh way, in a fresh way this Christmas. Lord, would you do that? Help us to echo those words of Mary. Let it be done to me according to your word. Lord, that we would grab hold of your promises. Believe them in a fresh way today. In Jesus' name.